from the Western Riverside Council of Governments. I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CODcast. With six counties, nearly 200 cities, and 19 million residents, the Southern California Association of Governments, also known as SCAG, is the largest metropolitan planning organization in the nation. Acting as catalyst for Southern California, SCAG seeks to foster innovative regional solutions that improve the quality of life for the growing population that call this area home. Through collaboration, planning, regional advocacy, and the promotion of best practices, SCAG addresses key issues that Southern Californians face every day. Today, we are so pleased to welcome Darren Chidsey, Interim Executive Director at SCAG. So Darren, thank you so much for being here with us today. Absolutely, great to be here. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you lived in Southern California? So I'm born and raised in Southern California. Um, I, My mom was uh, born and raised in Southern California. My dad lived here when he moved here when he was 16 from the East Coast. So I'm, I'm a Southern California kid, uh, okay. certainly. Um, you know, call it my home and, and raising two young boys here now. So hope to call it my home for a long time and hope they call it their home. Okay, awesome. So how did you come to work for SCAG? You know, uh, it's it's kind of an interesting story. Not that many people really know uh, what a COG is, what an MPO is, let alone what SCAG is. Um, so I think like many that work in this field, it kind of, it kind of found me. Um, I had uh, started my career out of college. I studied at UC Berkeley. I was an environmental and energy policy major. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I always loved the intersection of the environment, uh, of policy, and how the two blended together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after school, um, I headed back to the East Coast and worked on Capitol Hill mm-hmm. uh, and worked for a couple different uh, members of Congress. Uh, and it was a really great experience. Um, and that was where I had my first interaction with SCAG. At that time, oh. the then executive director uh, and, and senior leadership uh, came back to lobby the member that I was working for who was on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee. And so that was the first time I really said, hmm, this is a really interesting organization. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, I decided to move back to Southern California and um, was doing some things in local politics. And then there was an advertisement for uh, a, a local affairs uh, position at SCAG. And this was 13 years ago. Uh, I applied. Um, and I got the job. And so I've been there almost 14 years now in, in a variety of different positions. And I got to tell you, from the day that I walked in the office, um, I was just impressed by the ability of an organization like this to really help shape the future. And it really kind of uh, drove uh, me to think you know, really creatively and differently about the different ways uh, organizations that have such a breath as this one does um, to really have have a positive impact. Yeah, definitely. So can you just kick us off and tell us a little bit about what SCAG is? Yeah. What do you guys do? So SCAG, uh, Southern California Association of Governments, is the, the nation, we say, the world, maybe the universe's largest <laughs> metropolitan planet. Up for debate. <laughs> it's up for debate and we're ready for someone to prove us wrong. <laughs> Um, but the, what a metropolitan planning organization really is, uh, it goes back to a time when this country was growing very, very rapidly mm-hmm. um, in uh, post-World War II. And at that time, we had a president that was a former military leader. 
And certainly we know our great military minds are always thinking about you know, planning and strategy. Um, and as President Eisenhower was looking out uh, throughout the country, he realized there was a real gap in organizations that were doing long-range planning uh, for metropolitan areas. We were seeing a tremendous amount of growth uh, during that time in this country, uh, in our cities, a lot of move from more uh, rural parts of the country to more urban parts of the country, and there was no one doing water planning or transportation planning. Um, and so he put one of his uh, special advisors, one of his uh, former generals, when he was in the service on the task of developing, you know, how do we going to address this? And so there's a, a deck of slides that is very famous in our industry now that really uh, was done in the, in the late 50s that identifies what this might look like. And, and what um, was created was what we now call metropolitan planning organizations. And what they simply are is a group of, of local governments, uh, cities and counties, other parts of the country, there's even other governments that are included in these um, that are tasked with looking out at least 20 years to the future of the area that they represent and saying, what is the employment going to look like? What is the population going to be? Um, what kind of jobs are going to be available and what kind of houses are we going to need? Mm -hmm. And to start to put the framework together uh, to have a conversation around how do we plan for a region on some issues that are that are beyond just a county border or beyond just a city border. Mm -hmm. um, and so these were brought really into fruition uh, in the mid-60s when the federal government started to put some funding towards them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really kind of the birth of, of organizations like ours. So we were founded in 1965. Um, to this day, uh, uh, the majority of our funds comes from the U.S. Department of Transportation to look at long-range regional transportation planning. Mm -hmm. um, but um, there's certainly other uh, initiatives over time that we've grown uh, to take on from both the state and the federal level. Okay, definitely. So you're saying that the, um, organizations like SCAG really exist to do more of the long-term projected in the future. What does it look like? How do we plan for that? Things like transportation and housing, and you said another one that I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, the environment, environment. and certainly mm -hmm. economy as well. Definitely. So with that, you said the majority of your funding comes from a transportation, more specific funding source. So with that, does that mean that SCAG primarily focuses on transportation, or what does that look like? So... I think it's fair to say we do focus on transportation, mm -hmm. but I think as we all know, you know, people, um, transportation is, is really a function of, of many things. You don't just get in the car or ride a train or ride a bus. You're, you're going somewhere. It's, it's part of the economy. You're going to work, you're going to school, you're going to visit a family member. So these, um, conversations are very interrelated. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, we are focused on transportation, but um, with that comes a big uh, task uh, is to make sure our transportation system is clean. Mm -hmm. So for instance, there's um, the Clean Air Act. Um, there's certain requirements in there that require organizations like ours to, to demonstrate that our transportation system is clean and that we're meeting our air quality goals. Mm -hmm. On top of that, the state uh, the California Air Resources Board uh, also puts uh, targets uh, for us to meet as we're doing our long-range planning to ensure that we're reducing greenhouse gas emissions um, and ensuring that the future transportation system is as clean and, uh, and equitable as possible.
Okay, so boiling it down a little bit to more specific, like Western Riverside County yeah. specific, how does SCAG improve the lives of people who live here and work in the subregion and maybe drive through? What is what do those efforts look like? Yeah, there's a couple different things um, that we that we do. So we talked a lot about kind of the the regional picture of, of long range planning, mm-hmm. um, but a couple things. Um, that we have done really over the last decade to really help answer that question a little bit more clear is launch some really more local initiatives. Um, Because what we found is uh, not that it's easy to put a long-range plan together, um, but oftentimes it's hard to really implement that because it's hard to show people um, in one city how what they're doing relates to the rest of the region. And so um, several years ago, we launched a couple uh, new initiatives. Uh, one was called our Sustainability Program, where it was providing grants to local cities, to groups of cities, to really start to think about what are the strategies that are in our long-range plan and how do they start to implement them at a local level. Um, so we've done a, a series of those, uh, and many of those have, have been funded throughout Riverside County, anywhere from a, the uh, Eastvale Bicycle uh, and Pedestrian Master Plan. Um, we've funded um uh, in Indio, uh, a general plan mobility element. Um, we've funded things in Moreno Valley, uh, looking at different corridor plans. So these are really taking these regional policies and trying to make them uh, relevant at a local level. And then about two years ago, we started another new initiative to really uh, make uh, our these conversations more tangible at a local level. And that's an initiative called Go Human. A lot of um, the work that we do in transportation is about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of initiatives out there to really try to ensure that um, if we're having more people that are biking and walking, that obviously is very good for the environment, that they're doing so safely mm-hmm. uh, and that motorists are understanding how and why it's important to share the road and, and to look out uh, for pedestrians and bicyclists. Um, so we launched a campaign called Go Human. Um, it's a, a, a public campaign um, that really looks to raise awareness for that. But the other part of it um, is um, demonstration projects that happen at the city level um, that we're, we're looking at new street improvements or road improvements um, that might make safety more of a priority um, and allow uh, residents to kind of view what these improvements look like before they're made permanent by the city. And so we had a, a successful one just a couple weeks ago right here in Riverside mm-hmm. as part of the Festival of the Lights connecting the Metrolink station uh, to uh, certainly the Mission Inn um, in, a, in an innovative way to think about um, you know how people can can commute better and commute safer and, and use uh, their feet and their uh, <laughs> and their legs to, to get around in a safe way. Definitely. Some of our staff actually went and did, I think it was Illuminate Riverside, a it Go was, Human yeah, event yeah, um, at the Festival of Lights down here in downtown Riverside. And so it was fun to see one of those kinds of events come to life here in Riverside, like you said. Um, so you already mentioned a few of the other areas that SCAG is involved in besides transportation. So could you elaborate just a little bit more on those? Sure. Um, I'd say the second, and this is probably the biggest um, issue that I think it, that we're dealing with in the region right now is affordable housing and housing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the economy has been extremely good um, over the last you know five to seven years in Southern California, and uh, we've seen um, a lot of um, that come in in that um, housing prices and rents have uh, increased dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so SCAG has really put on the on the front burner how. Uh, can we have a better conversation about what are the impacts of of uh, housing and is it if there isn't affordable housing and not just affordable housing as in 
um, you know, housing that's subsidized, but housing that's attainable to, to people in all different uh, income categories. Um, we do have a, a state responsibility in that uh, as well, I think, as just a public uh, policy discussion. And so um, to, to kind of further that, um, there is a, a state policy that's called the Regional Housing Needs Assessment. And what this is, is that the state requires organizations like ours to do um, a process by which we look uh, at every city and we assign a number of houses um, that should be built in that city over a period of time. Um, and it also uh, identifies what cities, what numbers of houses should be affordable and what should be extremely affordable. So we're starting that process right now. We do that every eight years. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, a committee of elected officials that are working very uh, carefully on that um, because those are those are certainly big, challenging issues and, and have lasting impacts. Um, you know, I say it's one of the more challenging things we do. Certainly we are a membership organization and working with our members to give uh, numbers like these that oftentimes, um, you know, cities uh, might have a hard time uh, meeting mm -hmm. is certainly uh, something that's challenging, but we work very closely with all our members to make sure it's as bottoms up as possible yeah. and, uh, and, you know, include what they have as part of their plans as part of our plan as well. So, so you've mentioned housing and transportation, and then I think you mentioned environment as well earlier. Yeah. So what does that look like for SCAG? So from an environmental standpoint, I think there's a lot of different things. I think air quality is our number one uh, mm -hmm. priority when it comes to environmental work. We, um, as part of our federal and state requirements, um, do part of the air quality management plan, the transportation mm -hmm. component of that. And what that basically means is if a new transportation project is proposed, uh, we have to certify that it is uh, meets the Clean Air Act standards. So if any project um, has a, any bit of uh, public money in it or it's deemed regionally significant, we have to ensure that's included as part of our plan. And with that, we're saying that um, it's going to, as part of the system, reduce um, uh, pollutants uh, and as well as reduce greenhouse gases. Um, so those are a couple really important environmental goals that we work very, very tirelessly on. Definitely. Well, it sounds like SCAG is, has its hand in a lot of different areas um, and is not just doing like a single layer of action. It's like multiple layers within each of those big topics, too. So that's really neat. Um, so we've both kind of touched on and mentioned how SCAG is a massive region with almost 19 million residents. So in your opinion, what are some of the pros and cons of operating in such a large geographic? space. You know, since um, I'm going to guess since SCAG was uh, created, there's always been a debate as the size right. Mm -hmm. um, certainly we're the nation's uh, largest mm -hmm. um, from a population and in a territory standpoint as well. Um, there are metropolitan planning organizations all throughout the country. Some of them are as small as just over 200,000. We're about 19 million people. Wow. Um, and it's a really diverse region. You know, we represent Imperial Valley um, that certainly um, has some of the highest unemployment rates in the country uh, at times, you know, all the way to some of the wealthiest communities of, of Beverly Hills and the west side. There's mountain communities. Mm -hmm. uh, there's desert communities. So I'm not sure there's a region in the country that is as diverse as ours geographically, as well as just from the residents from all over the world and all the different language that are spoken. Um, but why I think it makes sense um, and why there's no other way to do it 
is that as large as this region seems, it's extremely interconnected, not just the economy, um, but you know, many of the residents here in Western Riverside commute to Los Angeles or Orange County to go to work um, or vice versa, folks coming from Los Angeles to Riverside or San Bernardino. So with a commute shed like that that's so integrated, if there's not a group that's looking at this all collectively, I think the residents that don't really care when they when they cross that county border um, when they cross that city border, they're just trying to get where they want to go uh, and get the service that they need or get to their job or get to pick their kid up at school. Um, I think all of those things, um, those county and city borders are irrelevant to our customers. And so I think that's what our charge is, is to make things be as seamless as possible and look at it from that true regional standpoint. So, yeah, it's a big metropolitan region. It's it's certainly diverse and extremely dynamic, but um, I don't see any other way that we can serve our, our customers without, uh, you know, really looking at it from that that big of a scale. Definitely. I think that even looking, if we thought about looking at it from a perspective that's more segmented with city lines, it is a disservice to the people who live here because the reality of you living and working in one city is so small, especially in Southern California, as we're so transit heavy. So with that, like in your opinion and in your experience, what do you think are a few things that aren't getting enough attention in today's like maybe that's political climate? Maybe that's just like locally here in Southern California. What do you think isn't getting enough um, attention that needs more attention? Yeah, I think the biggest question that um, that isn't debated enough is is the future of Southern California's economy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. Um, you know, we certainly have a, a obligation to look out 20 years. And, and I think when you think about that, um, we know things are going to change. I think from an innovation, from a technology standpoint, um, uh, things are changing faster than we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, technology is going to have an impact on every part of our uh, every sector. Um, and if we're not really getting ahead of that, um, I think this region, you know, has the opportunity to not uh, maintain its leadership position that it's had in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think some uh, examples of that is certainly on transportation. We've seen some really uh, amazing things happen when um, uh, with new technology and, and automated vehicles. Um, we've seen just uh, this week had an opportunity to tour the Boring Company, which is uh, Elon Musk's um, envision for tunnels that he's mm -hmm. going to run Teslas through throughout town. There's so many ideas out there mm -hmm. um, in our industry that I think we really need to make sure we're maintaining us being at the forefront of it. Um, but I think beyond that, um, Southern California has a pretty unique uh, population base, and uh, it's different than the rest of the state. So, for instance, in the in the region that we represent, uh, the median income is you know less than right around sixty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. In the Bay Area, it's close to ninety thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and with that, our educational attainment level is much lower here than it is in other parts of the state. Um, so when we're looking out to the future and we're seeing a big um, push towards automation, 
Um, what's the kind of impact is that going to have on a lot of our different jobs? And are we thinking uh, what comes next? Um, like I said, you know, the economy has been really good the last five, seven years, but um, should and, and if and when and it will happen is that um, that next kind of downturn happens. Are we ready regionally to kind of work together to understand uh, what types of things we can do as a region to ensure the health and strength of our economy into the future? Mm-hmm, definitely. So you, obviously SCAG is all about kind of long-term projecting, future planning. How do we prepare for all of these changes that are coming? So with that, what do you think are some things that are going to be shifts in our area in the next 20 years? I think you mentioned one just being automation, but what does that actually look like for our region? So we still are one of the largest manufacturing areas in the country um, when you look at it. Um, And certainly there's a lot of um, uh, different industries that that feeds into. Fashion is a big one of them. There's a lot of talk about what does automation mean for manufacturing? Certainly, if people are still doing manufacturing in Southern California, there's a real value that they're putting on getting it to their, their mm-hmm. consumer as quickly as possible. So I think that's one area um, that we're certainly looking at is what kind of impacts that we're going to have uh, to those types of jobs as automation uh, moves forward. Uh, another big portion of our economy is a trade. About 40% of goods from all um, from uh, the enter the United States, coming through the ports of LA and Long Beach, many of them flow through right through Riverside County out to warehouses and out. Um, so those logistics jobs, um, those jobs in warehouses, certainly there's a move towards automating that. Mm-hmm. So I think very specifically, it's what are we doing about job training? What are we doing about ensuring we have a workforce um, that's capable right. and prepared to do those types of jobs? You know, the other side of it is too as it comes down to automation and transportation. Um, so there's obviously um, you know automated vehicles. A lot of cars already sold today have very very heavy automated uh, focuses on them um, and autopilot functions, etc. And so are we ready for that? Are we ready for that in our transportation system? What is that going to do uh, when an Uber or a Lyft is now completely automated and it doesn't have a driver? Um, you know, is that going to increase the amount of traffic on the road? Is it going to decrease it? Um, so I think those are some real serious questions that we have to debate uh, and consider because, um, you know, without thoughtful policy discussion on the regional uh, level, um, we certainly could be in a situation where uh, we're just not ready for what is going to be inevitable. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think after almost every podcast, automation and the growth of our region, those two ideas always come clashing together. Yeah. And so I think it's this inevitable reality that's coming. And so like what you're saying, how do we best prepare for this from a policy standpoint, but then also just like the framework of Southern California as well. Yeah. Um, so kind of just taking a step back from all of this, um, just kind of more of a personal question. When people ask you... Um, about projects or maybe programs about SCAG, what are some of the things that you are most proud of in your 14 years of being at SCAG? Yeah, one of the things that I think is so uh, amazing about SCAG is, is the people. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about it much, but so SCAG is made up really of local elected officials from throughout Southern California. Mm-hmm. And so our board is 86 members, uh, that, that's mayors and that's supervisors and that's council members. Um, from the member cities throughout that. And so that collection of people, of leaders, that get together to really think and debate uh, these issues, um, that's SCAG's really greatest asset. Because, um, you know, in this political climate that we're in and we see what's happening in Washington and, and elsewhere, 
uh, for people, you know, to put aside what, you know, their own differences and come together and really make uh, important decisions on a variety of topics mm-hmm. um, in a way, uh, it just doesn't happen, you know, that often in, in politics. So um, that a level of, of board engagement mm-hmm. uh, is something that I think is really, is really impressive and really unique. Um, I think, you know, personally, I've had the opportunity to work on a couple uh, really uh, interesting initiatives, uh, one of which is our economic summit. Mm-hmm. Um, we started about 10 years ago um, looking at no other organization was really looking at the future of Southern California's economy. And, and this was a time when we were at the depths of the recession. Mm-hmm. We'd lost over a million jobs in Southern California. And many of our member cities and counties were looking and saying, what can we do? How can we do a better job um, of, of working together on this? And so we brought together a team of economists uh, and really started a, you know some conversations about what can be done. And that's continued forward. Uh, we just hosted our last one uh, in December of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think uh, personally, certainly being part of that uh, and the team to put that together really has a lasting impact on, on the lives of so many. Totally. I'm just so encouraged learning more about what SCAG does from kind of the insider's perspective and looking outward to what you guys do practically in our communities throughout Southern California. And I'm just so encouraged by how innovative and forward-thinking SCAG is. Um, I think it's also neat just seeing some of the crossover and like mission statements between WRCOG and SCAG. Obviously, WRCOG is on a much smaller scale. There's not nearly 19 million residents living in Western Riverside County, but the idea that we are a lot more effective and a lot stronger when we work together. And even your comment about how one of your favorite parts about your job is seeing people with different political backgrounds coming together to really make positive and lasting impact that's going to greatly affect our region in the best way possible. So thank you so much for your time on the CogCast. We really appreciate it. Do you have any last thoughts or remarks before we sign off? No, I just want to say thank you for including us. I think uh, it's great that you guys are doing this. The work that we do, uh, you know, is so hard to communicate to people sometimes. And I think this is a great venue to provide us the opportunity to talk a little bit more about the things we're excited about and working on and and hope uh, people appreciate and uh, stay uh, tuned on. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. The Western Riverside Council of Governments, also known as WRCOG, exists to unify the Western Riverside County so that it can speak with a collective voice on important issues that affect its members. For more information on WRCOG and the COGCAST, please visit us at www.wrcog.us.